everyone. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Team Get Over It. We're an all-female team participating in the greatest motoring adventure on the planet. The Mongol Rally. We'll be driving 10,000 miles across mountains, deserts, and unknown terrain. And along the way, we hope to spread our feminist and environmental ideals. Join us here as we share our stories, thoughts, and interviews as we get ready for the Mongol Rally 2021. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hi, welcome back. Today, we are super excited because we're joined here by a legendary rally alum. He was a member of Team Nomads with Gonads who competed in the 2019 Mongol Rally, and he's here to share his nuggets of wisdom with us. So thank you, Nate. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. I am pumped to talk about the rally, any and all things, really get into the nitty gritty because it's not something really the average person on the street asks you about. So uh, it is an exciting chance to relive some of the good memories, the bad memories, there's a few of those as well, but uh, all in all, just a, a great experience to talk about. Yeah. So yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. So originally, I think we met you a few years ago um, when, when you were in Korea. And at that point, you had mentioned that you were doing the Mongol rally. So I'm just, I'm a little curious because it's not something that I think most people know about, or even most people know, like someone has completed. So I'm wondering, how did you learn about the Mongol rally? And like, what drew you to this kind of event? That is a good question. I was living in New Zealand, and I had a 1986 heist, this really kind of piece of shit van. And I was driving up one of my sister's friends, um, like three hours. And she's like, Oh, you know, you like driving these, you know, clankers around, you should think about the Mongol rally. My roommate did this thing where he drove from uh, the UK to Mongolia. And I said, whoa, 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 slow down. I was already hooked. And I think it was, he, I kind of like looked it up that day. And within eight hours, I said, I'm going to do this next year. This was um, early 2017. So I was like, I'm going to do the 2018 Mongol rally. And I started reaching out to like 12. I, I kind of said, I think the moment you commit to something yourself, it like the other wheels will turn. Like the moment you're all in, you're like, I don't mind if I do this by myself. You know, at the end of the day, you probably won't do it by yourself, but you're like, I'm going to do this by myself. And then, uh, so I reached out to 12 of my friends that kind of were of the same people, like the people who would want to be out there. And, um, yeah, I eventually ended up with kind of three solid teammates. Then my friend joined me for the first 10 days. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of the, the, I kind of knew I wanted to do it right after I heard about it because I had watched this like documentary back in about Kyrgyzstan back in like uh, my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, I love Central Asia. I don't know what's out there, but I want to go. It's kind of like a, like a yearning to get out there. So it kind of looked like it satisfied that. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your team? So you said you reached out to a bunch of people, but who ended up being on your team and how did you meet them originally? Yeah, I think it's funny to to say I reached out to 12 people because I kind of knew it would be the three guys that I ended up with. Um, in 2016, after I graduated college, I went and decided to do this big kind of year and a half of travel and live in New Zealand for a year. But I, I rode a motorcycle through Vietnam and on day two in Vietnam, um, this Irish guy, Richard says, I'm driving South. Who else is driving South? And we're like, yeah, we are like, you guys seem all right. So it was uh, a guy from, um, he's from Ireland, but very close to Northern Ireland. So very heavy, thick accent. And then two Dutch guys, Freik and Tomas and, um, Freik hardly spoke any English when I met him. And I think after two weeks, I realized he didn't understand anything I said because I was speaking so fast, <laughs> but, uh, 
Richard and I ended up going, Richard, um, Frank and I ended up doing like another 10 days through Cambodia together. And we just, it was so easy. And I think that mindset of riding a motorcycle through Vietnam is kind of what is very comparable. And I kind of said that the three of us or the, the four of us kind of learned to travel at the same time. Cause it was like, you know, every day something would go wrong, but it's all good. Like you're rolling into town at 10 30 PM and finding accommodation. It was kind of like this live on the edge of your seat. But I think all of us kind of became addicted to that lifestyle of travel. Cause it's, it's the most, you feel the most alive and there's challenges and you're with the right people. You just crack open a beer and laugh about, you know, something terrible that has happened. And I think I kind of knew that they would be the ones that would, um, would join me on this. So they, uh, I luckily enough as well, having Dutch teammates them and we got a left-hand drive car that they, you know, insured and, uh, we didn't have to go through all those hoops that I know Americans and Canadians have to go through in terms of buying a car in Europe. So that's, uh, that's um, something I'm, I'm happy to talk about, but, the luckily we, we didn't have to do that. And they, um, you know, they did some mods on the car that I probably wouldn't have done myself. And I think it's funny. We, um, they put, they zip tied blocks of wood into our rear suspension to give us more like ride height. But it meant if you went over a bump, it was like a rock would punch your butt. Like it was an absolute nightmare. And so by the time we got to Romania, we were like, we, I don't care how much this costs. We're getting real suspension in the back of the car, but um, <laughs> They're, it's just funny how like they didn't really have the same like I don't know like you you had different care and different um you know I really had no t- hands on the car until like the week we left so oh that's really interesting and speaking speaking of cars too because you know it's a it's a huge motor race and like you need to have some kind of uh, car savviness I think in order to survive at least like what you were saying like even just zip tying blocks of wood to your <laughs> yeah. suspension yeah. yeah so and 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 we mentioned that in our last podcast we we said that we're going to need to like get a lot of duct tape um but I just wanted to pick your brain <laughs> about your car so what kind of car did you finally get for the rally and then do you think it was a good choice to get that kind of car would you prefer to have like a different kind of car what do you think that, yeah, I think, and as I said, in New Zealand, I had no job the, the when I heard about this. So I spent like a month, I probably should have been looking for jobs, but I spent <laughs> a month on like Auto Trader UK. So I know every car you can buy in in, uh, in Europe that's under like 1.3 liters. And I think we kind of narrowed it down to three or four and we went, got in the back of them. And I actually was there in April of 2018. I was coming back through Asia and stopped in uh, the Netherlands and bought the car with them for like three days. And we, the first day we get in there, they pick me up from the airport. They're like, we're not buying the car today. We're going to party. And I was like, yeah, okay, these are, <laughs> these are good. This is like the mindset. Um, and I think the one biggest, uh, the one biggest thing they always said, and this happened throughout the rally is we do it tomorrow. And that's uh, probably not the best mindset on some regards, but it was kind of like, or we do it on the way. Um, but we got into the Netherlands and we started looking at cars and they kind of live in the middle of the country of Holland. Um, and so we are going to like, it took like 30 minutes to get to any real car dealerships. And so we we're looking and we're like, that's an hour and a half away. That's not worth our time. So we we're kind of limited in where we could buy the car, but uh, we ended up settling on a Suzuki Wagon R. Okay. And uh, pre, not to get too into it, but the pre 2002, they were all built in Japan. So oh. uh, it was a 1.2 liter. And the thing is about the Wagon R is it's really great in terms of comfort because it's very high up. It feels very spacious. Mm. And for... 11 of our 53 days, we had five people in the car. So, I mean, that's a lot of, that's, you know, you want to have something some, somewhat comfortable. And for being such a small car, it is very comfortable. But the two biggest things I would say suggest to not do it if you're, you know, 
the, the biggest reason is that it's not very ergonomical. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really like, if you think about 10,000 miles of bumps and whatnot, it doesn't really, it isn't made for uh. that. It's like made for running around town. And it also has a lot of the time, 13 inch tires and rims. And so it's hard to find those in a lot of places you needed to get 14s or 15s. So my suggestion in terms of if I would do it again, especially you guys are going to be two people. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just two people easy. Just do like, you know, you can do any sort of one that is shaped like a car. I, if that makes sense, <laughs> like an actual hatchback. Um, so it doesn't look like a box. Okay. Um, I, I called it a poor man's G wagon, but I think, uh, in terms of what I found is especially we kept on getting further east and our, our, I can get into it later, but our car broke down in Western Mongolia and we didn't have the part. They said it would take three days to ship a part and um, we didn't have it. And so we ended up having to ship the car to the finish line. So we kind of the last 1400 kilometers was on a bus. And if you want to go back to, to Nomads with Gonads Instagram, there's a story highlight that is about the bus ride. And it, it is it was. 34 hours of hell on wheels. It was a nightmare. So to prevent that, I would suggest getting, I mean, everyone talks about the Nissan Micra um, and the Fiat Panda. I'm kind of on team Yaris. Mm. I think the Yaris Toyota has such a great supply chain throughout Central Asia. And then a Hyundai gets, and I think that's one that is a bit less known, but they make a 1.1 liter and a 1.3 liter. And it just naturally rides up a bit higher. Okay. Oh. This is, again, I know way too many of these cars, <laughs> but I think if I was just doing it with, one one or two other people, I would have done a Hyundai Gets. That's probably my 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 vet uh, my vote. And these Australians did it, um, and they yeah they had no issues. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I used to own a Hyundai. I had a, well, I had a, like a 2006 Elantra, and I I gotta say though, Sam, this is for you. Like it was really good handling in the snow, surprisingly. So like yeah, so like I could definitely <laughs> yeah. see the Hyundai being good like in the deserts and stuff like that. So that's ooh. You're giving us such great tips. I'm like literally writing down. I know. I down. think I, I kind of, I don't know. I think that was, um, you, that's kind of what everyone obsesses over is the car, right? Cause it's the, the focal point. It also is in all your pictures. So, um, you know, I think how, how you decorate it and how it looks, um, is in the back of your mind. And so I don't know. I think, uh, I loved Eno was the name of the car, but I will say why we named it Eno is that night we went partying, um, it was like five of us in a six bedroom hotel room. And the other person besides us was this like 19 year old German backpacker named Ina. And we were all so excited to see her. We're, like, we're driving a car to Mongolia. We'll name it after you. And she was like, what? But we named it Ina. And so, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was definitely something, but, uh, yeah, like rest in peace, Ina. Cause she is now scrapped in Estonia. All right. P and peace. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Poor Ina. Okay, so you talked a little bit about your bus adventure. We're curious to hear sort of what your highlight of the Mongol rally was and what your low light would have been. You know, I think it's so funny because it's it's kind of like a roller coaster and that like the best moments are kind of on the back of challenges, right? And I think, mm. you know, it didn't take us very long to hit some, I think like we were four hours into our trip when we realized that the, the Dutch boys hadn't gotten the Russian visa and you only could get it in the Hague. <gasps> Oh no. So we said, okay, we're going to figure this out. Send up, send out your passports. We're going to get the visas by the time we leave, by the time we hit Turkey, by the time we leave Europe. But we didn't know about the Schengen zone. So once you mm. hit Hungary, I, once you hit Romania, you can't, you need a passport. And so 
by that point, the Dutch boys, we, we were driving and the guy goes, where's your passport? And he goes, uh, we don't have it. Can we show you a picture of the passport? And this, you know, Romanian border guard goes, you show someone a picture of money. Can you buy anything? Oh. And we're like, uh, no. <laughs> so we just started laughing and he like didn't really take us, uh, take it that well. And so <laughs> we had to kind of improvise and they missed about 10 days. So me and Richard, the Dutch guy, went through four border crossings without the owner of the car, which oh, basically yeah. only two of them I had to kind of talk my way through. You're like, oh, no, no, the owner of the car is meeting us in Tbilisi. The owner of the car is meeting us in Istanbul. And uh, you kind of had to talk our way through a few of those borders. But it was kind of like those were supposed to be the easy countries, you know, like, oh, this is pretty easy and the roads are good. Mm. But it kind of really quickly um, went south. But I will say that I think uh, Turkey and Georgia, if we're talking about countries west of the Caspian Sea, uh, blew my mind. I think Georgia was, um, I will say that there's the hostel, um, Fabrica hostel in Tbilisi is the nicest hostel I've ever stayed in. It was like, I, I don't know. I can go all, I, I can talk for like 10 minutes about Georgia, but the, it, it's really sweet. And, the up North it's worth driving. I'm spending an extra day to drive up North cause there's these beautiful mountains and it kind of surprised me because being an American, you're like, Oh, Georgia, you're thinking of like Atlanta and you know, you're kind of like, what's this weird land and the food's great. But I think Turkey, we spent seven days in Turkey and it, I think was the first time I felt like I was outside of a place I hadn't been before. I'd, I'd done some of Eastern Europe before and uh, you know, the, the food, the people, and you leave Istanbul and you get down to Lake Tuz is that um, salt flat that I think you see a lot of pictures on. Uh, but it's on the way to Cappadocia or Jerome or whatever you want to say. And then, I mean, it's one of the few places in the world like this is magic. The hot air balloons coming over these like limestone <gasps> cliffs and uh, very romantic. I was like, um, you saw like people like proposing and you're like, oh, I'm just over here by myself with my, my <laughs> bit, you know, my Irish friend. But um, I will say we then did the most dangerous road in the world on the way uh, to Georgia. And um, yeah, I, I will say it's not as dangerous as everyone makes it out to be, but it was kind of a cool thing to say you did. But I'd say the other highlight besides, besides those two countries is uh, Tajikistan or Tajikistan, uh, I think, you know, we, the big story, I think, and I, I kind of say, if this is like one of the few stories to tell um, about the Mongol rally, mm. it's, we, two weeks before we rolled through this area, there was an ISIS attack about two hours north of the Afghan border. So we were by this point with another American team and we kind of, like, we're going to haul ass through here, but usually kind of at, towards the end of the day, like everyone would want to have a beer in the car or a few. So we were like, all right, we're through the ISIS area. Let's stop over and pull over for beers. And so we pulled over and uh, these guys were like, hey, come over here. And so I went over there and started talking to them. They like give us a bite of hot pot, tea, melon. And I had the only SIM card on the team. So I was like, I called my parents and said, like, let everyone know we're safe. There's kind of like a back end communication between the parents and um, wives of the other team. But they said, how about you come over to our house? And one guy spoke English and we get there and I would on the phone, I didn't really hear what was going to happen. So I'm like, why is there a, a goat in the back of that, you know, wagon? And then <laughs> why are they sharpening a knife? And then they like bring the goat over and say, this is for our guests and, you know, cut it. And I think I looked around and I said, we're an hour away from Afghanistan. We're an hour away from this ISIS attack. Like everything about this place says this is so dangerous. And it was the most hospitable people we ever, we encountered on the whole thing. And we spent the night in their house. Like we spent, we were up to like 3am drinking vodka and beer. And um, it, it was a really special time. And I think that kind of was kind of the the moment where you're like, this is something really special. And I think, you know, every team has something where locals took them in. And I think just being open to it and kind of saying, you know, cause that night we were like, we need to be at the start of the Pamir highway tonight. 
and were said, you know what, this is an experience we're not going to regret. And uh, yeah, I think that was that was a, a really good decision, obviously. And I think that that night really kind of was the ethos of kind of some of my bigger takeaways. But I'd say the one last negative story is we more or less, I told you the car broke down. Uh, so they they towed the car to the Russian border from through Mongolia to the Russian border. And there was someone on the other side. So they had to take us through like this, you know, two kilometer bit of no man, no man land. And this van was like, we'll take them through. And so we'll get to the bag check. We're all through. Tomas, it's just Tomas and I at this point. And we're like, all right, we're all happy. And then they put their bag in our area, in our like, in our, in our group of bags. And I was like, why is that um, bag in our area? And they said, shh. And then like motioned like a cigarette. <gasps> and I was like. I was like, oh my God, we're about to, and then the, the border guard comes out and looks at the bag above it, next to it, every bag of ours except that one. And I was like, we're, we're, we're in this now. And so <laughs> they went ahead, the, the van went ahead and one of the women in the van stayed in our car to watch over the bag. And I was like, we are, I mean, this is, you know, 2018, Russian relations aren't exactly great with Americans. So I'm standing there in flip-flops because I think at this point I had left I didn't have to have sneakers anymore. Um, so, and I'm like, oh, this is it. You know, this is, it was like a really harrowing experience. And so she, I was like, what's in the bag, you know? And she's like, I don't know English. I was like, what's in the, she knows exactly what I was talking about, but uh, I don't, it takes a lot for me to like snap. And I really snapped on this one. And so the woman, the car comes back, we get our approval to get through. And the last guy, if you can picture the most Russian border guard out there, he, has a flashlight, shines it on the bag, shines it on our passport, shines it on us. And I'm like, this is it. You know, like if he opens the door, that bag of whatever was in there is going to fall out. And he's like, all right, go ahead. And I was like, we, they took the bag back. And I was like, I was yelling, I'm like, what's in the bag? And Tomas and I were like going at these people and they just sped off. And, uh, but it was kind of like a, that was a pretty heavy experience that, I mean, you just five minutes before we were like joking with other teams and, um, yeah, having a laugh. So anyways, there's definitely some highs, definitely some lows, but I think, you know, some of those countries, I, I will say the Pamir highway was a, such a highlight because, you know, you're going along the Afghan border and it's just these huge kind of like this huge Canyon and you really feel out there. And I think very few times in your world, do you feel like you're in a place that is so disconnected and, uh, it just was really special, I think. So I know you guys have been debating whether or not to do it, I would say 100%. Um, you know, I think there are some ways to to make it safe in terms of, you know, caravaning with some other teams. And I, I definitely suggest doing that for sure. Yeah, it sounds really super interesting. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess I guess in a, in a thing like this, uh, or even at any time when you're traveling, I guess, then sometimes things can go from like zero to like 100 really quickly, right? So I think that, you know, you kept a cool head. When we have those experiences, we're somewhat try to cool, keep... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's as dangerous as it can be. It also sounds like interesting, like an interesting experience, right? And ha- like, where else can you have these kinds of experiences except like on the Mongol Rally? Um, yeah. And I, I also wanted to ask you. So this is something else that's kind of like always debated, and and we're wondering about that too for for ourselves. Um, how long did it take you to complete the rally from start to finish? And then do you think it was enough time or do you think you'd rather have some more time? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is kind of like a sampler. You know, you, you get to go through all these countries and you're saying like, I probably would not go back to Bulgaria. You know, like I feel like I saw it and it really didn't, you know, blow up any wind up my skirt, if that's the expression that people use. Um, but I think, 
I I think we did 50, 53 days. We were supposed to be done in about 50. So I ended up missing my flight. Um, that's a big tip I'd say is don't book your flight out until like you're pretty sure you can make it. I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah. It'd be worth it just the peace of mind to, to book your flight out. And I know there's some visa issues with that, but I don't know. I think the whole stress of the flight kind of created some drama, both for our team and other teams I saw. But um, I think, you know, five, six weeks, we had a lot of hiccups with the passports. Um, I actually had to redo five of my, I, I ran out of pages on my first passport. So I had to redo five visas. And mm-hmm. that was an absolute night. I mean, I was like, there was no margin of error going from um, Turkmenistan into Uzbekistan. And I got like the I got approved for it in Azerbaijan. It was like a three-step process. But either way, I would say five five weeks, I think four to six weeks is pretty standard. But I joke, it's like, how many times in your life are you going to drive through Uzbekistan? And then I go, and we still only stayed two nights in Uzbekistan. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're really, especially towards the end, you kind of realize you have some some ground to make up and you're doing huge days in these places that don't have the best roads and it's exhausting. I think I, I talked to my, my Kiwi friends that did the rally last year and like it took them, it takes like a month for you to kind of feel like you're not, it's like this exhaustion, but it's so worth doing, I think. Um, but I would say, yeah, to, to answer your question, I think, you know, you kind of have to figure out what makes sense for you guys. But I, I'd also say we got into a really bad rhythm, which was, you know, wake up at 10, we got to do shit to the car. So we'd leave at one, we'd drive like 10 hours, get somewhere at 11, sometimes party, terrible decision, <laughs> and then wake up the next morning. And it was like, if we just woke up and like took our time every day and drove on average like six hours a day, you'd really, it'd be a lot more enjoyable. And I think having two people is, is great for that because, you know, you're, there's a little bit less moving parts. And, um, you know, I think <laughs> we probably could have moved a bit more. I think we, of the 53 days, we stayed in the same place six times, like six places we stayed two nights. And that, you know, you you probably could, you need those nights, but I think, uh, you know, the more flexible you are, obviously there are some visa dates, but the more kind of you just sort of go with the flow and, you know, say today we should enjoy this experience because what it is, what it is versus, um, today we need to do some miles. Uh, so I don't know. I think as long as you guys have just communicate well, and I bet you guys would communicate better than me and my teammates to be fair. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, well, obviously there was the, there was the language barrier with, with Frake, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. Um, and sort of just going off that talking about preparation, cause I think that's talked about a lot when teams are getting ready for the Mongol rally, like how much should they prepare? What should they be preparing? So in your experience, were there things that you think you should have prepared for? And then also vice versa, were there things that you prepared for that you think you didn't need to prepare for? Yeah, I think we brought way too, we brought way too much stuff. And I think overpacking is probably something that um, happened. We also, the, the Dutch guys welded like a, probably a 200 pound rack on the top of the car. And I think that is what <laughs> led to the structural demise of our, of our vehicle. Um, the, the final straw was a um, suspension part on the, on the front of the car. But uh, I would say pack light, and I think, you know, when it comes to clothes, I think the one thing you need to know is there are people who can work on cars everywhere you go. And I think the, kind of the one one story, you, you really can't get prepared for something that will happen to you. And you kind of have to like improvise and uh, think on your feet. We were coming off the Pamir Highway and 
um, all of a sudden it sounded like we had a flat tire, but our frame had snapped. So like the back of our car was like unattached from where it should be. And so, I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere and we said, okay, there's like a town about 50 miles away. Um, so we just put all the weight to the side of the car. Frake and I got on top of the roof and we kind of like limped in to like kind of get the weight off the side of the car. And we limped into this town and sure enough, this guy welded our car for, for four hours and it cost 15 bucks. Whoa! And, Whoa. you know, so I think the biggest thing is, is mentally, I think preparing for just not knowing that things are going to go wrong and kind of getting yourself, especially as a team of like, how are we going to approach this? Like the more time you spend frustrated, the more time you spend getting in a tizzy, the less, like, it's just, not good for everyone. And I know like everyone is on their wits end. Like you haven't slept, you're probably hung over, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and uh, you know, it's, it's exhausting, but I think kind of mentally preparing for how you're going to tackle this, the solutions and prep for that is probably more valuable than having like, you know, the right wrench, if that makes sense. I think there are like <laughs> some basic things, um, you know, being able, being able to switch a flat tire and um, you know, having, I think if you could just start with good tires, you're going to end up better than, you know, having to switch continually. I mean, we had like eight, seven or eight flat tires throughout the course of the trip. So we didn't have any, besides the suspension and flat tires, we really didn't have many big issues, like no engine issues, which is, which is great. But I didn't know how to work on cars. The the boys didn't know how to work on cars really. So it was just kind of zip tying the skid plate up again and, and keep driving. So um, I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of, other people probably say different things than that, but I'd say just mentally getting ready for it and getting your head around it um, is definitely worth it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And and so also, I mean, kind of on that vein a little bit, um, as far as like, yeah, cars go and then strange um, like zip ties and duct tape kind of repairs and, and things, um, it's crazy. And like, you know, the whole Mongol rally, the idea, the concept, the execution is just insane. And I know that there's like a lot of, kind of insane quote-unquote people who do the rally so I'm kind of wondering like what's the craziest thing that you saw while on the rally so it could be like you know people's cars or some people like what they're doing you know so I think you know there's everyone kind of approaches the rally differently I mean everyone comes with a different car everyone comes from different background stuff I think that's the kind of the joy of it and I think a lot of the what a lot of the takeaways are are the other ralliers you meet as great as the locals are but like you're spending like I've got friends from life from another car that I first, um, they were like, they're, they had their shirts off, throwing a football, had an Alabama flag. I go, this is what I hate about Americans. And I, I went up and said to him, I was like, how far do you think this maverick attitude is going to last? You know, I ended up traveling like the next five weeks with them, like <laughs> f- falling into their maverick ways, uh, which was, you know, I think <laughs> they like had like the rule, like always cut. Um, I didn't know I couldn't do that it was kind of like their mindset. And, um, yeah, you kind of realize, you know, it's it's a lot more of a gray area out there in terms of law, law I guess. Like, I don't know. Either way, it makes us look like complete asshats. But uh, I think <laughs> there was a team that drove a, um, like a double-decker London bus. Cool. And they ended up teaming up with two guys that drove posty bikes. So guys on like little motorcycles. And both people, like they kind of were like this codependent force. And I think that was the most interesting thing because... I don't know, trying to drive that bus. The, the bus had like no approach angle, no ground clearance. And, you know, they definitely struggled. But I, it was cool to kind of see their mindset of how they kind of everyone takes upon it differently. But that was their kind of big adventure, right? And those guys on the posty bikes were like, 
we're going to be on these motorcycles for 10 hours a day, which is like not really sustainable, not very comfortable either. But there's also a guy who got a, they got a car for like 50, 50 pounds and it kept on overheating. Like we were at that big monument <laughs> in Bulgaria and they're like, oh, this is normal. It's all good. It just, it's a bit hot. <laughs> just steam coming through the hood. I was like, oh, those guys are like a lot worse off. Like I'm happy we paid 800 euros for our car. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so staying in the vein of crazy, but we're going to back it up, rewind a little bit. We want to hear about the parties because I feel like the launch party, the finish party, the parties along the way are legendary, but at least I know very little about them. And so I have just in my head this like picture of just, you know, organized chaos in a very fun, exciting way. And so can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, I think um, so. You're I'm the wrong person to ask because I only made the start party, and I even at the start party I got food poisoning. Oh so no! I felt like absolute shit. And Richard, uh, it was his birthday on the day of the start party. He was up at six a.m. He's like, "I'm the I'm the last one. I'm the last one awake. Like I'm the I'm the biggest partier of them all." And I go, "Shut up, Richard!" Like we are trying to sleep. And um, but I will say the if they do the same, I think they moved it back and forth. But we had the one in Prague, and it mm. was. It was like if Mad Max had like a, you know, 15 acre property because these people, these characters were dressed up and were riding motorcycles with spikes on them. And it was absolutely hectic. And they had, you know, you met a lot of other people and there was games and everyone was really drunk. And it was the final of the World Cup as well. So it was kind of a cool, but they had, um, it was an old Soviet bunker. And so one half of it was like a rock band and the other half of it was like techno music. And they just partied until like they had them open until 4 a.m but i was like not having it because i had food poisoning um from one of the like the food things that we had there uh so i will say the finished party i also missed i that night i had to smuggle the drugs i got in and i was on a <laughs> got in at like 5 a.m slept an hour like had I, I was able to have like a moment at the finish line kind of like you know this was i felt like it was nomads with gonads was my idea my creation it was like I went and did this and it was like a huge, you know, it's a huge personal milestone, a huge personal accomplishment. But that night was the party, but I had to fly out of Irkutsk, which was like a six hour train ride. And it was just like, I I didn't have any time in Ulan Uday. But I think, you know, at that point, everyone has a lot of stories and are excited to tell about them. So I think they're pretty crazy times. I will say along the way, there was a few nights that were like, you know, ones to remember. You know, I think we stayed in a five-star hotel in Turkmenistan and it was mayhem. And then, uh, you know, we, my friends in Kyrgyzstan, I ended up, I sound like a, like the lame guy of the group, which is probably fair. I, they called me the dad of the group, but oh. <laughs> um, they had a gun pulled on them oh. in Kyrgyzstan. And, uh, but they, the mechanic was like a chief, like a huge MMA fighter and they had a picture with them. So they showed them that and they're like, whatever we're so sorry like here party with us all night and it was like this crazy like flip and yeah i i don't know i think it was a there's there's good places especially like in your kazakhstan's your kyrgyzstan's they've got a lot of good places to to let loose uh but i think it is just a bit of a different feel and uh i'm excited for you guys to have your own stories because i think the big joy about it is kind of everyone having their own i don't know like i think especially every year they've changed it like the start parties and what that looks like that I think, you know, everyone kind of every year is a different experience. And I think, you know, as long as you show up, that's, that's pretty much all you need. And don't get food poisoning. Other than that, I think you're, 
<laughs> we'll try our best. <laughs> That's I will really say cool. that, you know, it's a, it's a pretty machismo. I mean, I think it's probably 80, 20 in terms of men to women. Mm. So you're going to see, you're probably gonna get a lot of attention from, from guys. That's my, that's my shot off the hip. That's my guess. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, that's just the, the environment that you just, you know, that's my, that's my guess, but, uh, I'm sure you'll, you'll be able to, to take it just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not worried about us. We're, we're spunky. We're feisty. So <laughs> I've seen you guys, I've seen you guys in the, in the wild, not in the wild, <laughs> like out, out in your element in South Korea. So yeah. I have, I have no doubts that you guys, we will to, to, to do just fine on something like this. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to go. And that too, I guess, you know, through partying and through drinking and then just through having this experience together, I'm sure that you got really close with your fellow ralliers. You mentioned a couple of times that you were like, you know, traveling together, like caravanning with other teams. So I just, I guess I want to know how close you became to other people during the Mongol rally. And do you still keep in touch? Um, what were your relationships like with other ralliers? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, one of the, one of the first experiences we had was um, there was a team of four girls. Um, they were French or Swiss. I think they were lived in Switzerland, but they were French. I think that's what it was. But uh, we met with them on like the end, the bottom of the Transfiguration and had like this great night drinking Romanian moonshine. And uh, my one memory from that is that she, this girl had a really good voice. She was like a singer and she says, turn off the music. It's like 2am. There's a bunch of like, you know, there's people around and she starts singing What's up by Four Non Blondes acapella, and I, I I couldn't make this up. And she just like starts into it. I go, is she about to go for it? And then she did. And then so it's like you know two a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's just absolutely popping off. And she, yeah. But we we ended up meeting up with one of the girls later on because she, um, she was like detached from the group. I forgot exactly what happened. But um, I will say that the one group that I talk about is Baja Lama, and they actually sell shirts. It's like a clothing brand. Oh, so wow. cool. You actually, what's really cool is they have shirts and I actually just bought the swim trunks that have like a Mongol rally print, but it's cool. Cause a lot of the things they were on the, that are on the print, I was there for, cause we ended up spending four or five weeks with them. And I think one thing to think about when you're with that is being in a team or in a convoy with people that match up the lifestyle, mm. because I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shit on Kiwis and Aussies, but they have like this exact, like sync up mindset and it's like seven cars from australia new zealand that just like barrel through central asia and i think that didn't I, even though i live in new zealand like that didn't appeal to me as much i like the idea of having just like one or two other cars and uh i think we got on really well with the these bahalam they were all 10 years older than us kind of like 32 35 37 and 38 and then we were kind of like 24 i think i was 24 yeah 24 25 26 27 and uh, I think it was cool because they kind of took us under the wing in a mm. bit. But at the same time, um, I think we just had a good time because we we got off the, you know, everyone talks about the ferry in Turkmenistan and it was like midnight and all these teams were like, we're just going to sleep here for the night. And, I, and like, I look at the guy who I just met on the ferry for like, you know, two days and I was like, let's drive. And he's like, yep, let's go. Like, I think we had like this, like, nothing phases us mentality and it kind of shot us in the foot, I think, but you know, we, <laughs> uh, finding a convoy to, to kind of do that with. And I think still to this day, I, I keep in contact with them. And, you know, I think it's hard to explain some of those experiences, mm -hmm. especially like the ones with the goat and stuff and having them there for that is something that I think we'll always hold. And 
Uh, obviously, COVID is is a bit a bit been a bit difficult, but I've met up with the Dutch guys uh, since, and I always think no matter how stressed out and how many little like bickers we had, those guys will always be my boys because uh, you know just going especially Vietnam and this, you know, they're both experiences that we look back on, and there were times when we were like this really sentimental night as we were going into Mongolia. And then we realized the border was closed the next day. Then our car broke down, but we were like, guys, like we did it. You know, why, how, you know, we were eating like this shit ramen. We're like, you know, like we made it this far. And it was like a really sentimental moment. I think, you know, um, my suggestion for you guys is just, you know, find people that you could see you align with. And I think it, it you know, not to say vibe check, but I think it's pretty easy to pick up on people that you want to be with. Um, and, you know, I know my dad is doing the rally, but you're like, do I really want to like, is this the pace you want to go at? Um, do you know, they're not going to party, you know, they're, they're 60 and 61. So it's like, <laughs> they're not going to be like having these crazy experiences. And I think, you know, um, it, but at the same time, those, they're going to be so much more mm-hmm. efficient and like have the time to like, go out and see some of these things that I was uh, unable to see. Like we walked up to some of these like, you know, big, and then like Uzbekistan, these big, you know, blue things walk through it for like 45 minutes. They're like, all right, let's get some ice cream and get back on the road. And <laughs> which I will say, uh, my big tip is every afternoon, get ice cream. Okay. Um, you're going to sweat out whatever, if you're worried about the ice cream weight, don't. <laughs> I joked, I was like, did I lose weight from ass sweat or did I gain weight from all the ice cream? It was like a, a weird uh-huh. duality, but uh, I will say mid mid afternoon ice cream really just kind of elevates the day it's worth it yeah so you're sitting here you're in year out now right you did it this two time last two year? years it was two 2018. years okay yeah. wow so looking back on it what do you think the lasting impact of the rally was on your life and maybe what will it continue to be moving forward yeah i think you know i i've thought about this a lot because you know i think i also kind of but like the, the Mongol rally on top of like, you know, the riding the motorcycle through Asia and being all these different corners of the world, but especially in these places that, you know, I didn't know Turkmenistan was a country five years ago. And, you know, you're spending mm. all five of your days on your travel visa in this weird land. And I mean, I could, you know, Ashgabat's nuts. So, I mean, you're in these places that you didn't know really know, but I think the biggest takeaway is the human body and the human mind have an incredible ability to adapt. And I think oftentimes, and this happens so much in terms of like, you know, people have these million dollar sailboats and never leave the harbor, right? I think it's Mm. kind of like the idea of it doesn't take much to go out there and really see some shit and experience things. And I think that's what's great about it is you kind of just show up and as the world passes you by in this car, you kind of adapt to it and you learn and, you know, there's these huge challenges and there's moments of a little danger, right? But I think, you know, it's all very manageable. And I think you come out of that feeling so much more. I joke, it's like, you know, people talk about like job interview, like in a job interview, someone's like, you know, can you tell me time you overcame a challenge? And it's like, well, me and this group project here, or you're like, well, our car broke down on the <laughs> Afghan border and we flew the car to the next place. And I think just kind of those stories come out of it. But I think the one other big takeaway, and I think this is especially for people in, in North America, the world isn't as big and scary as everyone makes it out to be. And I think, you know, I, I talked about the story with the the goat and whatnot. I think you see these people and no matter where you are in the world, they kind of want 
the same things. They want a positive upbringing for the family. They want to provide. They enjoy having an adult beverage. They enjoy watching sports. And there's so much in common with these people that I think, you know, I came out of it feeling like kind of warm, like a warm feeling to some of these places that I didn't know about. And I kind of continue want to continue to, to go to places that I don't know a ton about and it kind of continue to push myself. And I think it kind of is an addicting feeling once you do something like this, because you're like, you know, sitting on a beach in Europe doesn't really have the same luster anymore. You're like, I need to be moving. Mm. Like, what are these things I can see? Like, give me a back road. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's tough being back. And I think I know, have you heard about Mongol Rally X? Have you guys talked about that at all? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about it on a previous podcast a little bit. Oh, nice. I think it's actually really cool. And I think it's lovely that they're doing this. Cause I think, I think we were talking about this too. Cause, um, for us, like for us, like, I mean, we're just kind of working, well, you're working at home right now, Sam. And then like, for me, I'm just working like contract by contract, teaching English in Korea. So, you know, for us, it's really flexible. Our time is flexible. So for us to like postpone the rally one year, do it in 2021 instead of 2020, no big deal. It's like, well, whatever, I'll just do it at the end of my next contract. Um, But I think, you know, for a lot of people, this might have been their only time that they could have done the rally. So I feel, I know, yeah, so it's such a shame that it was canceled and like the COVID thing has really thrown a lot of people for a loop. But, but since they launched Mongo Rally X, it's kind of nice. So for those kinds of, for those people who aren't able to do the Mongol rally, they can kind of still participate in some way, especially if you prepared and like bought your car and got some visas Mm -hmm. and stuff. It's such a shame that those things are going to waste. Mm -hmm. Um, If, if we had a car (laughs) or anything, like I would love to participate. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, for us, it was, I mean, we're in two different countries. We don't have a car. So like, yeah. Caitlin's- I'd say it's, the t- it's the team issue. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I think it's super awesome. I've loved seeing, cause we've been following so many teams on Instagram. Yeah, for sure. That we're supposed to do it in 2020 with us. So it's cool to see them do the Mongol rally X. And I'm, I haven't seen anyone post any pictures of like the crazy places they've gotten to yet, but I'm really excited to see, mm what people can come up with, especially during this time when people are stuck at home. I think it's yeah. like a really great way to be like, hey, go explore your backyard. Like there's a lot around you. Yeah. And I think it's a creative way to, you know, you think about the origin of the Mongorelli in, in, what was it, 2002, 2001. The guy's like starting abroad in mm. Prague and he's like, let's just take this little car and drive it as far east as we can go. And then they like ran into barriers. Then they went back two years later and said, let's do this again, but like with visas and stuff and, and that kind of how that's how that grew. And I kind of said to myself, is there something you can do to kind of, um, I don't know, make something original out of, you know, create something that you could do. And I think, you know, there's a a few ideas I've been tossed around, but I have thought about getting a small dirt bike, like under 125 CC and just driving it up the continental divide, like up to the Canadian border. But I think for me, it's just the, the ethos is doing a lot with a little. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the message. And I think so many times, as I mentioned, like the sailboats, you don't really need these big land cruisers to go and travel to these parts of the world. And I think that's such a positive message. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's another big takeaway from that. But I think I'm excited to see you guys go. And I mean, if my dad's there too, see you guys. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. I want to convoy personally with your dad and his team. I think that would be awesome. If he's anything like you and your sister, I think we'll get along well. 
he yeah he's a kind of like an older version of me i think i don't know like I, him and i fit <laughs> into the same clothes as well so like i never paid for a suit rental during like high school dances and whatnot because i always oh, fit into nice. his stuff but uh yeah he's he's a real character and i'm you know i think him and his friend steve are going to be an absolute hoot to watch i don't even know if they're gonna like figure out this not to like generalize that my dad can't sort this shit out but it's like <laughs> are they gonna find sim cards am i gonna hear for him and i think i'll feel the same thing that he felt about. he's like i haven't heard from nate in two days like is he alive and you know some of those countries you you really don't have like the most accessible communication so uh yeah but i'm definitely excited to see what uh, mm. where you guys go with this and you know i am excited that you guys have taken such a cool spin on it and i think that's one thing I, i'll add is that we wanted to do I know this is like the complete opposite of kind of what your um, <laughs> your cause is because we were doing men's health. Um, and but also still very important. It's still very important, yeah. And I think, you know, we all had someone who passed away from uh, prostate cancer or, you know, close relatives that commit suicide. So the Bovember Foundation was a really good um, thing for that and being able to raise $15,000 and kind of have that underlying goal to it. You know, it was – you felt like you were – it wasn't just a ridiculous trip, but like there was kind of more of a cause to it. And I think as exhausting as it is, it fills your tank at the same time because you're kind of doing something that, you know, no one really does. And, you know, I don't know. I think I you could walk into a, in any room and at home and be like, I don't think anyone's done this before. So uh, it's kind of a cool feeling of, you know, I can go do these things and um, you definitely carry it into regular life. That sounds like I just go into things and be like, none of you have done what I have done. <laughs> but um, that's not the case. I think it's just kind of like a, a subtle confidence you have after this. So um, what are you guys most worried about? Uh, I don't know if I have honestly thought about it enough to be worried yeah. about any particular mm. thing, um, which might be worrisome in its own right. You know, like the complete lack of mental preparation I've put into it. But I think we both are very much the type of people that just like go into a situation blind and figure it out. Well, I, I guess the only thing that I'm like sort of worried about, and I mean, this is a very gentle worry. It's not that, it's not that strong of a feeling mm. um, is just visa trouble at the border. But I mean, but we're both, we've both traveled a bit and we've both like lived yeah. in different countries and stuff. So I think like we have a lot of just practical experience traveling and I, I think we're both yeah. pretty confident in our ability to like find a solution to whatever kind of problems. Um, I, and I've already, I have experience doing kind of longer road trips before I did, I did cross Canada. Um, so I went from like, Saint, awesome. yeah, it was, it was awesome. So I we went from like St. John's Newfoundland to like Vancouver and then and without a hitch, no problems, you know, it was like 9,000 kilometers or something. But at the end, my purse was stolen. So I lost, I lost like my, my passport, my friend's passport, all my IDs, my credit cards. I had like $400 in cash and both of my sets of car keys gone. <laughs> it was like, and you're like, it's amazing how that just happens at the, like when you least expect it. And yeah. Like, We're really going somewhere. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and, yeah. And I had, I had sort of this time crunch too. So I had, um, I had a flight booked four days from when my purse was stolen and I needed IDs and I needed my money, uh, obviously in order to like fly back home. Um, and I was supposed to sell my car. I had like buyers lined up, which obviously it didn't really happen, but, but through grit, determination and nice people, kind people, I was able to, I got a fishing license so I could get on the plane. 
<laughs> and my friends, I was able to like just wire money to my friends so they could like pay for things for me. Um, and I found like, it, it's surprisingly easy to get, get keys cut for a car without really having much proof that you own that car shockingly (laughs) so and i got like keys cut for my car i was able to sell it to sell to a scrapyard so i kind of lost money on that but you know it is what it is and so you know after having that experience i'm just like anything is possible so i'm not really worried it's uh, yeah it's the mindset to to deal with it i will say the one i always feel like i've got like the five the four or five stories of the mongrel but we had our passport stolen the same day our car broke down and uh yeah i can't believe i skimmed over that because it's Felt like I had food poisoning, our car broke down, and our passport. Like bad things happen in threes, and yeah. I was like, okay, our passports are stolen, and our, the Dutch, the Dutch guys, while the car is broken down, drank all the alcohol left in the car. Okay, so they're smashed by the time <laughs> they get back to the hotel. Oh no! And um, they're like, Nate, we don't know what to do. And I was like, we're not gonna leave this town until we have our passports. And I was like, lying in the sand, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. And uh, I was going to the next morning. I was like going to um, get to see, like see if the car could get fixed. And I'm like throwing up on the way the mechanic throwing up on the way back. And I was like, this is everything that's like Richard's throwing up, but he's at the police station for like 12 hours in a day working to find the passports back. And we eventually uh, got them back 20 hours later because someone tried to like want all this money. And like the woman who at the hotel was like, nope, like just we're not going to play ball with you guys. Like bring the passports back. We gave him like 20 bucks. So we got the passports back, but for 24 hours, it's like, you know, what do you do? And you kind of like get put in these situations where you're like, you know, these chemicals in your brain are firing in all different ways. But I think if you've already experienced something like that, then it's just like, take that, but drop you in the middle of Mongolia and figure it out. So <laughs> I very, don't know if a fishing I'm, license yeah. could get you into Russia, but that's the... <laughs> We're going to try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, where, where there's a will, there's a way, honestly. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... If you had asked me like two or three years ago what I was worried about, I would. I was a very type A person. I think that's like very normal to like become less type A the more you travel because you just sort of learn to like go with the flow. But I think I would have been like freaked out about getting arrested. Authority. I like uh, when authority talks to me, I just start crying. Caitlin will have her fishing license. I'll just start crying. It'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's. It's too easy at that point. I I think I was I remember we were, went into Canada from Connecticut when my family lived over there, and I was driving the car. My my whole family's in the car. And like, do you have any weapons in the car? And I was like, uh. <laughs> and they're like, do you have any drugs in the car? And I'm like, uh. And my dad, my, my dad's like, no. Like, and my sister just like kept on making fun. Taylor kept on making fun of me. Like, uh, you can't deal with anything. And I was like, so then by the time we got to Russia, I'm like joking with the border guard. I'm like. Doesn't he, doesn't he look like Jason Bourne? I'm like, you know, something like that. And they, uh, you know, it was amazing how, how quickly your kind of perception of all that changes when, I don't know, you're mm-hmm. a bit more seasoned and you've gone through enough border crossings not to worry. And um, I flew back into Canada and this guy was giving me stick. He's like, what's in the bag? I was like, uh, you know, like a hammock and stuff. He's like, what are you doing with a hammock? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> hanging in it. Like, come on. So I think it was like definitely a, a shift once you get out of those places because you get back home. And, and I don't know if that's something you've thought about. Like when you get back home, it will be like, a, I don't know, you're going to feel like all rugged and like things are too easy. Uh, <laughs> it's too easy. Yeah, that's my one of my biggest fears is just like after this mm. and like even just after living abroad for so long going back home and I think eventually I will go back home but because we were thinking after the rally of living in Georgia for a little bit 
That's big time. I as I said, I think there are yeah. some of those places you can you can find uh, work, and it's not this big. And like Tbilisi is a pretty, mm-hmm. uh, it's a pretty livable city. It kind of feels like where. Granted, I think Istanbul is where East meets West, but it does feel like there's like it's a very like European city yeah. in that sense. I think technically it is European, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I right after when I finished the rally, I met up with my best friend. We were supposed to be ten days in Vietnam, and I ended up on being just five. Um, so I fly in there, mm-hmm. and we went and did. You guys have both been to Vietnam, I know that, I right? Have, yeah. Um, I haven't. Oh, you haven't. You I know, have. Sam. Yeah, Sam. I have seen you. Yeah, you did a. Remember great Instagram content when that when that was happening. Um, but yeah, it. Uh, I went and did like four days on a motorcycle in like northern Vietnam, and I came out of it thinking to myself, I was like, this was so much mm-hmm. fun because it was like no stress, it was easy. And I think if you can build in something fun, and obviously you're you're pretty close to some of your stomping grounds in Asia, building in like a week in Seoul where you're just in oh, what are those spots that's called such a good Jin, idea. Jinbang, is, oh, the Jim Jilbang. Jim Jilbang. That's a really good idea. Just go to Korea, be with your people, you know, feel love, have a, I don't know, just sleep in, spend like hours at a spa. That I think is a, is a really good, have something to look forward to at the end of it. Um, I, granted, you're going to be looking forward to things along the way, but having like a kind of like a separator between normal life and, you know, where you're at. I ended up going to Canada to meet a girl that I met in Indonesia and um, it was kind of like this, it was like a weird transition back, but I think it helped kind of lessen the pain of just going, dropping back right into home. Um, like flying, if I flew right into Denver, um, you know, like the day after the rally, but it's definitely tough. And I think it'll probably change the way you like, you, you know, think about employment and stuff. I went to a job fair three days after I got back and this is like, I wore flip flops, like 45 days of the, of the 53, yeah. uh, and my feet were just haggard. But three days back, I go to a, a job mm. fair and I was like, I can't do a nine to five. I can't, I'm not, not cut out for that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a weird transition, but I don't know. I think you'll come out of this with the best, it's a quote, the best journeys answer questions that at the beginning you never thought to ask. So, whoa, whoa my mind is blown. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to end on that bombshell, but that's a, that's definitely one, you know, just kind of happens. Yeah, no. And I think that's, um a good place to end and sort of to wrap up just tail ending all of your nuggets of wisdom. Do you have any last things that you would like any tips for teams competing in 2021? If you could just say like one sentence to every single team competing, what would you say? I am probably going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Frake's uh, advice and kind of say like the idea, don't worry, we do it on the way. Because I think you can, no matter where you are on the, like, you can get anything you need. Like, I, I mean, besides like your passport, your phone, like there's a few things you can't really let go of. But I mean, everything, to, you can fix your car on the way. You can get a new t-shirt. You can, uh, you know, if you have like a cut, you get a bandit. I don't know. I'm trying to say it's like you can figure it out on the way. And I think, um, you know, it's, I, I feel the one thing I feel bad about delaying a year is you have another year of anticipation. Mm. And I think that's a really tough place for you guys to be in. Uh, Cause you know, I think I had four, 15, 16 months of like, from when I decided to do it to when I was going on. And like, by the time it happened, it was like, this is crazy. But I mean, having been another year out, you know, being in that 20 to 23 month category, that's tough. And I think 
uh, I would say just kind of know that you'll figure it out on the way and, uh, you know, enjoy it because you look back and I think also, I, I keep on giving more advice than I probably should, but um, <laughs> write down the little moments because you're going to okay. remember the big stories, the, you know, the goat getting your head cut off, but, you know, <laughs> shitting out in the middle of nowhere where there's no, no feel, like little moments like that, those are like the funniest those are little funny moments. And I will say people enjoy hearing the little funny stories more than like these big grandeur things because it's it's more relatable. So um, as I just told all the biggest stories of my, in my arsenal to this <laughs> <laughs> to you too. Yeah, that's uh that's the way it goes though. But yeah, hopefully that um there's there's a few takeaways in this and um I don't know, maybe somehow you guys just feel a bit more relaxed about the the next the next step, but I think you guys are going to crush it. So I, there's people I'd be worried about and you guys are not on that list. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to see how it unfolds for you guys. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nate, for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, excited to see how this turns out. Um, and quickly before we wrap up, if any of our listeners wanted to learn more about you, follow you anywhere, where can they find you? Yes. Uh, my, my age old handle at big N Sunday, and that's big, the letter N S U N D Y, um, or at nomads with gonads. That's still some content on there. And who knows? I, I've kind of felt like the need to finish. I didn't finish the last 10 days of the the rally just cause. I have never posted what happened in the last 10 days. And I think I um, might come back to that um, if I have more free time. And I don't really have any free time. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I will also plug the the podcast as well. I think, you know, we're probably not as entertaining as these girls, but um, young women, I should say. Uh, <laughs> the Road Provides is a podcast we're dropping uh, this week. And it kind of is less Mongo Rally, more just general travel and um, – yeah, a little bit less rigorous, which I think this is uh, what's great about this is you're hearing stories about this really unique, exciting space. So I'm excited to, to listen to everything else you guys come out with. And thank you again. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. All right. Cheers, guys. Bye, everyone. That's it for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, please support this work by subscribing and donating to our cause at www.teamgetoveryit.com. Donors get access to specific content like stickers, t-shirts, and postcards from our journey. You can donate for as little as $5 and the benefits build from there. Go to our website for more information. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Team Get Over It. Thanks for listening. And catch us next time on Get Over It.